it's Elise here and I am back with episode eight this will be so this is sort of our second stop in our countdown to Halloween to the premiere Alberta episode thank you so much if you're listening again and welcome if you're a new listener so today is part one of my interview with Paul Bush from Cornerstone Supernatural Group and on Thursday I'll be releasing part two So in this interview, we really just go through all of the sort of basics so you guys can kind of get to know what a paranormal investigation group is all about. And if you want to hear more from Paul or even some of the other people in his group, please let me know, let Paul know if you enjoyed this. And we've already actually talked about some other ideas of things that we can talk about and get more specific and do some more interviews in the future. Please make sure that you go and follow Cornerstone Supernatural Group on Facebook. Also, please check out their website and I will have everything linked on the blog. So I will have a link to their Facebook and I will also have a link to their website. So I'm going to stop blabbing and we'll get right into this interview. So I really hope you guys enjoy and also keep in mind this is going to be a little bit different audio wise because this was over Skype as I do not live in British Columbia, but Cornerstone Supernatural is based in Vancouver. Let's get into this episode. Cornerstone Supernatural was started. uh, We came together from other groups. Um, where they weren't, where some of the people weren't getting the satisfaction as a, as an investigator. Um, in we came together just at the beginning of April of this year. Uh, we've got 15 dedicated investigators in our group, and the reason we have so many is you all can't be outside or all can be in an investigation on a Friday or Saturday night. Some people work, people have lives, other things happen. So. We try to do it where it's um, available to everybody in the group at different times. And we'll book events or book investigations to, to make sure that everybody has their own, um, at least has the ability to come on and do an investigation. Right. So within our group, we've got um, everything from psychics to mediums to, I was talking about Bill Hauser earlier, ITC or ghost box specialist. Um, we do have mediums, clairvoyance. Uh, we also have people that are in the tech business, you know, so they we have some interesting characters there. We have mm-hmm. both people that have uh, cinematography, cinematography degrees. We have uh, another person that uh, has a degree in audio. So it different. Everybody brings a different thing to the team. Right. And that's good. You have kind of a diverse team. So it's not just one specialty or, you know, people all sort of approach things a different way, which is nice to get that diversity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you if you go into investigation, you want to be able to depend on on each other. Uh, and in ours, when we go in, it's not one set of questioning. We go into investigation, it sort of goes wherever the flow is going. So if one person has an idea about something, we're not going to restrict that. Somebody might then follow that and it becomes more interesting and, and, and more attuned with what's happening in an investigation. Right, exactly. Okay. And so is this your full-time job? Is this your day job or anyone else in the group? Is this all that they do for a day job? 
Uh, we all are volunteers. We all don't get paid for this. We don't charge <laughs> time. Um, and my, I mean, myself, I've got a, I've got a full-time job. Everybody in the group has a full-time job. Um, and it's everywhere from bus drivers to people that, how can I put this? People that are, are extremely talented in sculpting and music to actors. So we've got a wide range of different, uh, different people within the group. That makes it interesting as well because you're not all set in one particular industry. Well, exactly. And I think, too, something that I've found in doing these sort of investigations in my own way, I guess, and looking into these stories is sometimes spirit or these events and stuff don't don't show themselves or don't happen for every person. So it's nice, too, to have that diversity because one person might be a little more attuned to where you are and things like that. I mean, it's not like uh, you walk into an investigation where said activity has been happening or you go into an investigation where there's no activity but it's an it's a historic building or place and you just want to see if something is there you mm-hmm. can't turn on a switch and say oh spirit entity yeah oh, <laughs> come on out of the wall i mean it it does just doesn't happen that way you don't have it's not the same like on television where um they're sometimes in a location for one or two weeks in order to get that half hour program Um, and ours is, is, you know, it could be two or four hours or something like tonight where we're doing an overnight investigation. Sometimes it's extremely active and and other times there it's not. When we go into investigation, if there's spirits or ghosts or whatever you want to call energy, whatever you want to call it there, they don't know you from a hole in the ground. Right. So they know the people that work there, um, or in that household but they don't know you. So they might not necessarily come out and play the first time around. So if you're able to go back in for maybe mm-hmm. a second or a third time, then there's sort of, ah, that, there's Paul from, from Cornerstone. I'm, I'm getting kind of used to some of his questions. You come back afterwards and you go through your quarters and then 99% of the time, that's when you will get your evidence. For those people that are sort of like, why is there no definitive proof that I can go and Google and I can see a ghost? You know, there's those people sort of saying why there isn't that definitive proof after all of these people investigate these certain locations and things like that. That's, um, that's an interesting question. I mean, it, de- it depends on your definition of definitive proof. Uh, if we go into a location and you get uh, something on your digital recorder, um, a voice or a sound that you can't explain at that particular time, it is, uh, that is to us some proof of something that's there, something right. something you can't disprove, um, or a picture or something on some of the more recent equipment that, that you can catch a figure on en- of energy that you can't see. So right. to me, that says something is there something is trying to communicate with you um, and that's evidence you walk into a place that's said to be haunted for lack of a better word and you walk in there and the hairs go up on the on the on your arm or a feeling on the back of your neck or you think something is watching you there's two ways of going there either one there's something there or two there's something that we can explain why you're feeling that way mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, that's, 
if people says there's there's no proof, there's nothing like that. Um, there's no middle ground on, on a lot of this. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's either, yes, I believe, and grandma told me my story, and I had an experience in the basement, or there's, don't talk to me, I don't want anything to do with it, it's fake, it's false, it's, it doesn't exist. There's, exactly. nothing that, there's nothing straight down the middle that, that where people will be on one side or mm-hmm. another. They won't stand in the middle. Well, exactly. And I think there's always people who want more. You know, you can show them this, this, and this that you found and why that shows that there is proof. And there's always people who are going to be like, well, I want a picture. I want a video. I want this and that. So, you know, you can't please everyone, but hopefully, you know, in doing things like this, where we can kind of explain some of the technology and how it does capture these things that people can't explain. That's definitely a touchy subject, I think, and a lot for people who are skeptics because they're always going to want more. Why was the camera off when you heard this or you saw this or why don't we have a picture or video of this apparition? Or That's true. I mean, we took a, an individual that was a, a, a freelance journalist and he was extremely skeptical, did not believe or anything like that. We took him on an investigation and there was things that we could not explain and he walked out of there when it was all said and done. He said, wow, I think I just witnessed something. And, and now I'm not as much of a skeptic as I was before. Mm-hmm. So if you can get that type of reaction, that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. How much time would you say you dedicate to this? How much time in your life and even some of the people in the group, like, is this sort of just, it's always on your mind. It's always something that's there and you're always analyzing things in a certain way. Do you think? It's all the, for us, we're, we're extremely busy. Um, we're doing anywhere from one to three investigations on a weekly basis. So you're constantly going over in some spare time, you're constantly going over um, your recorders to see if there's anything that you've captured as an, an investigation because you want to get back to wherever you've been. You want to get back to them in a, in a fairly reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, for myself personally, because I do majority of the bookings for the group, um, I spend a lot of time looking at, uh, at different locations, talking to different people, and uh, seeing if we can get into locations where maybe you might think there's not something there. So for right, us, I'd, right. like to, I'd like to go in both in locations that have something and some and locations that, that don't. You can't totally say no to everything. There's, you can't just go to locations where oh, there's something here. Um, and and uh, you'd be surprised. We've been, in, we've been able to go into historic locations where there's never been an iota of... Uh, a, you know, any type of paranormal activity and mm-hmm. have some of our best evidence coming out of those locations. And so do you usually f- seek out the projects? Like what would you say the sort of percentages of the ones that you go out and find or the ones that contact you? I think it's probably around an 80-20 split. 80, 20, 80% of me going out and finding those locations or talking to those particular pro- projects. We've also get word of mouth Um uh, for people contacting us and saying, oh, by the way, I've got this in this location. You've been in my place. I've got another place or I know of another place where you might be able to do an investigation. And then the, the last one is just uh, just people contacting us out of the blue. 
I think too, probably there's a lot of people that maybe don't even know that there are people that can come out and look like sometimes I think even people that I've talked to, they're like, isn't that only on TV? They don't even know that it's like, no, there's groups out there doing this every single day. And that's true. I mean, there's, for instance, if you look at, at our, as an example, our Facebook page, and it's a closed group. So we use that for uh, people to share their stories and experiences and also for us to post evidence when we can. Members will talk to some one of their friends or relative and say, by the way, I'm part of a membership now and, and uh, or Facebook membership, and you should t- check this out. Exactly, and so now that we're mentioning Facebook, so for anyone listening, you can find your group. Cornerstone Supernatural Group. Cornerstone Supernatural Group. So yeah, head on over there and hit like on the page, join the group. Um, Because you guys do post some awesome stuff, some really interesting articles. Well, we wanted to make it a safe place for a number of reasons. I mean, if you said, I believe I've had this experience and you tell your best friend and your best friend doesn't believe or, or, you know, even is open to a discussion about it and looks at you and says, you're nuts. I mean, we try, we do it as a, as a group that it's, it's both supportive Mm -hmm. People can bring up their uh experience and as in a safe spot and when they're talking about their experience or what's happened to them or their place of business some people and and or i would say a lot of them it's hard for people to talk about it Mm -hmm. it's for them to say i've got this experience that's happening to me and i don't know what to do about it or is there it does it happen to you and then others will join in from around the world and talk about it. And I think that it's extremely healthy for, for the paranormal industry. I think that uh, yeah. uh, they, they, can, they can share that, feel good about it, get some feedback about it. That's one of our, um, I think, one of the things that we're pretty proud of. Yeah, and definitely. People can talk about that. Yeah, it's yeah. Nice just in any sort of situation to have even just validation. Sure. Of like, okay, I am not crazy. I'm not, you know, just imagining things that this could be um, real. And and I have noticed that in discussions and it's, you know, there's other paranormal groups out there where you go and people are commenting and no one really says anything. But I like that people at least acknowledge what people are saying on there. There's usually discussion. And so it is a really great, um, great group. Well, we're having a lot of fun with it. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's opened some eyes for a lot of things that we were hoping to do. When we started the group, um, we named it Cornerstone for a reason. Uh, Cornerstone is the building block of a lot of buildings, period. It's mm-hmm. what you put, it, that, that has got to be the strongest foundation for everything else that you're going to do. And that's one of the reasons why we, we named it Cornerstone is because of that. We wanted to make sure that whatever we we're doing whether investigating, whether we're talking about it, is that people feel that they're on a solid foundation. Absolutely. And so what for you happened or or where did your interest begin in this whole place? <laughs> well, there's, there's uh, two stories happened. One when I was extremely young and uh, it was in my parents' basement. And, and probably a lot of people will feel this is that it was the worst feeling to go down there it always had a dark presence about it 
to the point that I was delegated that I had to use the washroom downstairs. So at night, when you went downstairs, uh, you made that very quick, and then you ran back upstairs. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it just was a, a weird feeling. And one time when I was in, in had fallen asleep on the couch, um, I felt the, the sheets tug. So, I mean, that's, for me, that was one. The second one was when I was older, um, and my father had passed, and I was visiting my mom, and we both saw my father in, he was a painter and decorator, and we both saw my father in coveralls. Um, not a full figure, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, it was a partial uh, partial apparition, but he had those those overalls on. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll never, that's where my, it started for me. And right. then I was, you know, being of interest, but not really into groups until I moved out here from Saskatchewan, so. Did you like every group that you were in or, you know, how did that kind of go for you joining other groups and seeing the dynamics of different groups of people? Well, I've been in two other groups before, before this one. And both of them had um, areas that I feel didn't feel comfortable with um, either in the way they, they did investigations or the way they were treating their investigators. When we started the group, one of the things is, and that's it, we do it for all our investigations, is we ask the owners or managers. One thing, 98% of our investigations are not houses. So majority of them are uh, like historic places or theater, restaurants. But we had, um, one of the things that we do is we ask those people for them to come along on the investigation or if they have people in their employment or that they work with that want to be part of the investigation, we want them as we want them there for a couple reasons. One, they get to take ownership of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're not just coming to them afterwards and saying, oh, guess what? We got this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very nice. What time was that? Where was it? Jeez, that's kind of cool. Um, if we hear something at the time when we're doing an investigation or see something at the time during the investigation, that person is with us and actually seeing or hearing what's happening. Mm-hmm. Extremely, extremely important. I have been with groups, a group that actually uh, cheated on their investigation and actually came up with evidence that they put together and mm-hmm. I cannot do that that's not part of my morale no so that's that's when all of ours as investigators all 15 of us we've come together because of that too and and a lot of people from different groups when we started it they came to us they wanted to right. be part so and we had worked with them so we knew that their morales were good Right. We're in line with your own. That's a great segue because I did have a question about what kind of guidelines and what morales do you guys live by? And obviously there are, but about other teams that you've come across that do this in an unsavory or disrespectful way. Yeah. One one of the things is obviously we're not going to, we're not going to fix or show evidence that isn't the real thing. Mm-hmm. If you go, you know, again, on our website, we've got certain pieces of evidence that we've caught over time. And those ones are the real thing where they're not doctored. They're not, uh, it's got to be that way. 
it's we've got to be when we're going in be respectful of those you're talking to uh some of those spirits ghosts entities energies do not know that they're they've passed or anything they're just wondering what's happening Mm -hmm. why am i why am i here um find out that reason if you can try to help them we're not a group that um helps people or helps spirits go to the other side or go to the light there is some people that do that Um, Mm -hmm. there's some people in our group that will do it but not when they're with us Uh, they'll do it on the side or on their own and and i have no problem with that but as a group we don't do that right Uh, we're not we're not there to exercise a house that's just again that's that's not part of our metal so and, and it's also really important to be honest with the people you're working with mm-hmm. uh, have respect for one another everybody's got a different way of doing things you've got to be able to work with them if you ever whenever we bring a new person into the into the fold we got to make sure that they're working to the same types of principles and values that everybody else in the group works with we respect one another and the fact that look i'm not having a great day um i'm going to excuse myself from this investigation perfect i think that spirits eat you know ghosts they feed off that they feed off the energy if you come in with a good group of people that are energized that want to talk with them that want to find out more about them they're going to be more willing to communicate with you than having somebody in there that just you know has an ultimate ego or a different way of doing things and so in speaking with some people you know some of the people that um, work at some of the places that i've talked about this kind of concept has come up multiple times where they sort of talk about if if the energy is good if someone has good energy they're not scared. They're not bothered by things usually. If someone comes in and they work at a place and they're miserable, have a bad attitude, that's when sort of maybe more things come where people interpret it as malevolent, where it might just be that the spirits are sort of um, maybe not even mimicking, but like you say, feeding off of a negative energy that's there. And once that negative energy is gone, everything's fine. You know, they don't have those sort of scared feelings or people aren't feeling tense and and things like that that's that's absolutely true and i'll give you a really good example of that we investigate a place called the castle here in vancouver well it's actually in new westminster Uh, great bunch of people they work really well with us in fact we've got a, a function coming up if i can on october the 25th where they're going to be um it's a halloween thing and oh, excellent, there's, excellent. There's people singing, there's some magic, but then afterward, and there's a meal, but then afterwards, there's going to be six rooms of different paranormal things, different types, types of paranormal equipment. Um, you know, uh, there's going to be a, a seance, there's going to be people talking about UFOs and the dead. So there's going to be a whole bunch of different, Bill's going to be there with his uh, spirit box. And um, so there's, there's a lot of uh, really interesting and it's not going to be a lot of money. Um, <laughs> well, I'll put some links if you guys have. I'll kind of, I, I can put that up on the blog. Yeah, and we'll... It'll definitely come. We put a teaser on, on our on our Facebook page, and I'll okay. send that to you. Okay. But anyways, that particular location, 
before the current management, Shane and and, uh, and Stephen, before they came in, um, that particular location has has had eight spirits, um, and we right now it's down to six. A few years ago, that the management and ownership ownership of that particular location, I hate to say it, but it was extremely negative. People just mm-hmm. didn't work there. People always came in. I don't want to be here. Um, and there was a couple of those spirits that weren't particularly nice. Uh, and it, the, the energy showed. The energy showed in the people. The energy showed in the two in two of the spirits that were there. Right. New ownership, new management. Um, Shane is a really, he's a general manager, really incredible individual, really upbeat, positive, and changed the, the way and changed some, a lot of the people of doing things in that particular location. And the, and the castle is the only building left from the BC penitentiary. Oh, so wow, it, wow. it was the building where everybody that were com- was coming to the prison had to go through it. It had jail cells in the basement. Um, there was a tunnel that ran from the Fraser River up to the, the castle. Um, and uh, the prisoners, when they came in by boat, they would travel through through this uh, tunnel to the castle and uh, entered into the system, and then they'd go into the actual jail part. The actual jail was torn down quite a few years ago, but uh, this is the only building, and it's a historic building that's left. Now, with the spirits and the energy and the people that are there, completely different energy, completely mm-hmm. different. Uh, extremely positive. We've had reactions with them. We've had inner workings with them. We've had evidence with them. Crazy. Um, <laughs> and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a really bunch of fun for us to go there and conduct investigations. And whether it was the spirits or the energy from the people working there or them working off of each other, mm-hmm. I, I, oh, I can't tell you that because we weren't, we didn't do an investigation at that time. And that's kind of another thing that I've noticed with a lot of these locations is people who really love the location and respect it and want to share the story and want to share the story of what's left behind if there are energies. I find that in those cases, like I say, people aren't scared because they don't have a a need to be threatened or they don't feel threatened. That's true. We do a substantial amount of uh, historical locations. So we'll go and, and I, you know, going through some of your listing of places you've talked about, those have either a paranormal story or they are a historical location. Right, exactly. Here, I'll ask this one, I think is kind of fun, but um, if you could investigate anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a really good question. I think for me personally, um, I would like to go to and investigate Zach Baggins' house down in. Oh, yes. He, uh, he like him or hate him uh, on on TV or anything mm-hmm. other things he does. Um, he has a lot. That particular museum or house that he has down there has a ton of different historical and and um, and objects that yeah. are particularly has energy attached to them in some way, shape, or form. So I think I would like to go down there with my team and, and do an investigation without Zach and his crew. And <laughs> yeah. 
and see what see if some of the things in there or some of the stories are true. Um, we find going into uh, it, because it's a museum, same like here, if we go into a museum, a lot of the times it's the artifacts or the objects that's in there that tends to draw energy more than the building itself. We were at uh, uh, the Maple Ridge Museum and unfortunately we, we weren't able to get it on camera, but we had a REM pod sitting in an in a ornate Chinese chair carved, unbelievable, and it went off. And it mm -hmm. went off repeatedly while it was sitting in the chair. We took it off, there was nothing, it didn't react. You put it back in the chair, it would react. So, <laughs> I mean, again, it's, I think it's objects. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I'd like to do that location, just for curiosity and also to see if, if the truth is there. Right, exactly. And, and interestingly enough, there have been kind of some news stories lately. They had the incident with the devil's rocking chair and a couple of things that have been going on with some of the things there. And, and of course, I think a lot of people sort of are curious of that as well. You see this character on TV and you see all these things on TV and it's like, well, I want to go there now and I want to see, is this true? Is this real? If he's not there, do things happen? True. And that's, that's exactly, I mean, we've been to locations where other, and, and this is, I'm not, I don't like, and I don't want to bash other groups or anything like that. Definitely. Um, but where, where evidence is being fabricated. Um, and then you go in to see if anything is there and you find nothing is there. So it opens the eyes of the client um, or the location that, Oops, something is different here. Okay, so I'm going to stop this episode right here. So we went through the basics in part one here, and I find it so interesting that a lot of the revelations that people have sort of come up in a lot of stories and in interviews talking with a lot of different people. So it's kind of interesting that in the more positive experiences or how people will have a more positive outlook or not be really scared in a place is all determined by what we sort of put out there. And as Paul said, spirit sort of feeds off of that. So if you have a really negative person, they're going to feed off of the negativity. And in those cases, you might get some malevolence or you might get some more negative experiences coming out of those places. It's also really interesting to hear about Paul's own experiences that brought him to this group and to starting this group. And also, it was really fun to just chat about um, his dream place to go and uh, investigate. So if you haven't heard about Zach Baggins Museum in Las Vegas, I will have links on the blog. And I definitely second this place. I think it would be super interesting to check out. Um, like I say, if you don't know about it, it's crazy. He's got an insane amount of objects that are linked to some pretty intense <laughs> To put it lightly, intense cases, um, he's got, you know, drawings from John Wayne Gacy and he's got Bella Lugosi's mirror that's said to have some really crazy effects on the living. Um, he also has this doll that apparently if you watch videos, I believe it is, or you look at her, really bad things happen. So uh, it would be a crazy experience. So if you're going to be in Las Vegas, check that out as well. And I mean, let me know if you experience anything there. 
So I hope you'll tune in on Thursday for part two. So we get into a little bit more about types of equipment that they use. I also ask him my question that I'm always wondering whether or not he believes that ghost hunting apps work or don't work. Also, we hear a little bit more and some more stories about some different cases that they've worked on and some things that Paul himself has experienced. And I also ask him the very controversial (laughs) um, question of what he thinks about Ouija boards. Um, I definitely am someone who has a solid opinion on them, uh, which you'll hear about. So I hope you will tune in. So until next time, this is your friendly neighborhood host, Elise.